If you can be anything in the world, always strive to be kind. You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best, both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. We are here today with my very good friend, Chanel Johnson. Chanel is an entrepreneur, an education speaker, a consultant, and the implementation manager at Explore Learning. How are you? I am doing well. Greetings from the hotel in Portsmouth, Arkansas. Portsmouth, Arkansas. I was actually in Arkansas last year in June. What do you think? Beautiful. It's away from the Atlanta traffic. I love the beautiful trails and the scenery, the slowness that I'm not used to. It gives you an opportunity to be in a space. I'm still working, but at a slower pace and that's okay. I hit up two cities yesterday. I hit up Conway, Arkansas to do drop-offs for our top teachers. Spent some time in Little Rock to drop off gifts for our top teachers and to actually go in classrooms. And now I'm here in Fort Smith and we put on our big event for our platinum users. I'm really excited about that. I've been working on it for a while. So here we are. <laughs> Chanel, you're doing big things. You're doing amazing things. I personally love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, as a member of a large family, you place great importance on nurturing relationships. Two, you're passionate about coaching teachers in STEM and the use of ed tech or educational technology. And three, you're very passionate about your own personal wellness. For the audience, Chanel and I met at ISTE in 2017. I'm not sure if you remember Chanel, but we were introduced by Dr. Kim Lane. And you stood out to me for two reasons. One, and I think anyone that knows you knows that you have a positive aura and a positive vibe about you that's undeniable. Two, you were hanging out with your husband and your friends at the same time. In my personal life, that's something that I always do, but I've never seen anyone ever do that at work. I was super impressed. We became friends. And I remember there was like a group of us, like we were deep. It was 50 of us. I remember you and I walked together the entire time, just about, we just got to know each other, follow each other on social media, and we're friends now. But from your perspective, how has our relationship evolved? since 2017 and ISTE? I think it's evolved in the most positive way. Some people think that relationships can't nourish without me seeing them. Mm. Have, I don't even know if we've seen each other since then. I'm trying to think. I don't think we've seen each other. I don't think we've actually gave each other a hug, dapped it up since that moment. But we made it a point to stay connected and to follow each other through the journey and not even just being lurkers and following, but to support one another. Hey, I see you doing your thing. Yeah. Cheering each other on. Oh, I see you. I see you making connections with other people who would benefit from knowing one another. And we've always just looked out for each other. And even outside of work, not to make it seem like, oh, we were just work buddies or anything because we never actually worked together, but just making an effort to nourish the relationship even just getting to know each other on all social media platforms. And I think that's important. We actually did work together one time and you may not remember, <laughs> but I think it was 2020, Dr. Marquita Blades had the conference and we were both speakers at the conference. That's right. So we were definitely working together. 
You're right. My soror. Oh my goodness. So, I love Marquita. Big shout out to Dr. Blades. Dr. Blades, if you're out there listening, Marquita, we have to get you on here. You are definitely on a short list of people that I want to have on. For folks that are just tuning in or listening for the very first time, this is called the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast. And it's a podcast where I invite my friends, some educators, some not. Each of the guests have three things they excel at and they're very passionate about. These are things that I know that their friends and my friends want to learn about. The first thing that I've seen about Chanel, not just from the moment I've met her, but on social media especially, she has a large family. So Chanel, what does having a large family mean to you? It wasn't something that I planned. <laughs> I'll say that. Before we get into my intermediate family, I will say that I am deeply rooted with family, like my aunts, my grandma, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, on both sides of the family. As a matter of fact, while I was traveling in Little Rock yesterday, I ran into a principal he has a very distinct last name. It was one of those names where, okay, that's in my family. If you have that last name, I know you. We're related. We made an effort to meet up. I came to his school after I did the deliveries, met up with him, said hello, made connections of how we're related, and gave each other a hug and said, nice to meet you. Let's stay connected. I say that to say coming from a large family means a lot, even though I didn't plan to have a large one of my own, because it keeps me rooted. It keeps me connected. I can go back to six generations. I have a third, fourth cousins who we kick it like we're brothers and sisters. Everywhere I go, I find family. Let's transition to me not planning this. We're a family of five. My husband and I, we bounce back and forth when we're planning the family that we wanted. I wanted two kids. He said, I want three. Huh? <laughs> After we had the first, we said, this is great. We know what we're doing. We're dynamic parents. The first kid. So we said, okay, we'll try again. When we tried again, actually going on 10 years ago, we got to buy one, get one free special. Like I call it. We were pregnant with twins. In my mind, I said, I want two. I want two. And in his mind, he said, I want three. I wrote in my senior book several years ago that I wanted twins. Didn't think anything of it until it happened. We're here we are. Large family. I couldn't go a day without the way we are. The Johnson Five is what I call us. Can't go without it. I said earlier, I invite my friends on the show, which means that I know something about you. Family and relationships is something that is important to me because I never had those things as I was growing up. The reason why I invited you and I asked you specifically to speak about this, even though I know you excel at other stuff too, is because I'm hoping to learn from you, but I'm also hoping that the audience is also writing notes and listening back. Chanel, the thing that I've noticed in being married and in having kids is that with the kids, I have individual relationships with them individually and then as a collective, as a unit. But then I've noticed that my wife and I, we have another relationship with the kids. Can you unpack how you manage the relationship with your husband, with the twins, and then with your other child? Let's start with Martin. I don't play about Martin Johnson, okay? Let's say that. We met right when I graduated from high school. We went through college together. We grew up together. He mm. just celebrated his 40th birthday in April. We literally went through life together the struggles. But one thing that came to fruition is our motto. And I'll share it with the world. We live as a team. We die as a team. That has mm. been our motto since 
day one. No matter what we do, no matter what comes to life, whatever happens, we do we tackle it as a team. Ain't no individual here. Of course, we have our individual things. Some people talk about how did y'all survive the pandemic? Because we both work from home. We both have office spaces. But how did y'all survive? Actually, we thrived because he is my best mm. friend. You know what I'm saying? So it's more than it's the different phases of the relationship. He's my husband. He's my partner. But he's also my friend. Not many people out there can hold me accountable the way he does. And he will tell you, girl, you're tripping. And he'll tell me in the most authentic way. He's not going to sugarcoat nothing. He's going to say it the way he knows how, but I know it comes from a place of love. So that's Martin. I go all day about him. Let's talk about Shaylin is my preteen. She'll be 13. Y'all pray for me because, oh my goodness, I taught middle school, but actually raising them teenage creatures, that's something else. So it's another ball game. <laughs> it is. It's like, what the Jalen, that's my first. That's who made me a mother. I see so much of me in her. I see so much of Martin in her. And I see so much of her and how she navigates life. She loves power tumbling. She loves sports. She loves fashion. She's a sneakerhead. That's our avenue. That's our thing. And making that point to talk to her. We used to have a journal, a mommy-daughter journal, where we kept it confidential. It's all hands on deck. Say what you got to say. No judgment here. I don't focus on how you said it. I'm focusing on what you said. Wait, wait. Can I stop you there for one second? So you yeah, and your daughter had a journal where you can write down what you feel with no judgment. Yeah. Listeners. Because there's time. This is the strategy. <laughs> I've never heard of something like this. Wait, tell us more oh, yeah. about that. Because I think a lot of people need that. Yeah. They're on Amazon. It's a mother-daughter journal. I started with a composition book. And I told her. I feel tone when you talk and whether you're intentionally doing it or not, as a mom, if I hear tone, if I sense attitude, I'm not focusing on what you said anymore. I'm focusing on how you said it and I'm not receptive. I recognize that weakness in myself that I can't bypass the tone, whether you meant to or not, but I need to communicate with you. There's some practices in there being able to write. And some days what I'll do is I'll start a prompt. How was your day? How are you feeling about school? How are you feeling about home? Did I do something? Did I say something to upset you? Just something like that. And then sometimes she'll start a prompt where she might ask a question. Tell me about life for you when you were in the seventh grade. Did you have the same struggles? We off and on because life gets in the way, but she knows that anytime you need it, we go back to it. Hey, Chanel, you just dropped a gem on me that I am going to immediately implement in the chat, <laughs> in the comment section. I just found it on Amazon. I put the link in. Folks out there listening and watching, get you the parent-child yeah, journal. If you're having trouble communicating, I think this piece of advice alone, this gem, this jewel, if you don't say anything else, if we just look at you, if that's all <laughs> we do, we just got what we need in order to make it in a relationship with our child. I do want to wish Martin a happy birthday. If he's listening, happy birthday, brother. <laughs> I love that you said he's not just my husband, he's not just my partner, he's my best friend. That is something that I've had to learn because it wasn't modeled for me. But what I will say, Chanel, on social media all these years, we are going on five years, by the way. Yeah. 2017 was five years ago. You definitely are a model of that. Both you and Martin of what 
two best friends are like in the holidays. See, so I peep game. Yeah, I got matching pajamas with the kids. Lots of group photos. You do trips. Y'all went in London, all those things. And I love that you document those things because people are watching. And I know me, I'm learning and I'm taking notes. All right. You already answered this, but maybe you have another tip to a person who's struggling to connect with his or her spouse or their Mm -hmm. child. What would you recommend? Again, what is the foundation of your relationship? Start with your core. Because I told you, our core, live as a team, die as a team. That was the foundation when we were just dating, okay? Mm. And let's be clear. There are times where I couldn't stand him. You know, some friendships, they ain't working it out. And But we're also growing. We're growing into our own individual selves. Sometimes you just straight up don't like the person. And I told him, you know, I don't like you. I don't like you. I love you, but I don't like you right now. And he said it to me, I don't like you either. And I said, okay, what we going to do? (laughs) <laughs> what we're going to do. I think being honest with your feelings, being honest with how you feel. Why Why aren't we liking each other? Why are we having a hard time communicating? Because I don't like the way you're saying things. I don't like that tone. I feel like you're this and you're that. And I'm not that. I'm doing this because. So you got to be willing to be toes down. You got to have your feet down, toes down in the mud and be ready to have those difficult conversations with your person. Yeah. Because there's a reason why some ain't connecting. Every relationship is different. It's your business. It's your job to figure that out and to decide, is this something that we can get through or not? <laughs> it's so interesting you say that because research shows that the relationships that withstand the test of time are those that are rooted in communication. Communication means hard conversations. Yeah. Trauma-filled conversations. Mm-hmm. What I'm hearing is that y'all are able to have those discussions even when they're not easy, even when you're not necessarily feeling each other, but it helps you get through those hard times. I think that for me, the difficult relationships, whether with my friends or with my partner or partners in the past, is when folks are passive aggressive, where they don't mm-hmm. have the conversation. They'll go on social media, post something, or they'll tell another person about you. They'll do everything to let you know that they don't like you or they're not feeling you, but they will never have a conversation with you. It makes you feel, well, you don't really like me very much. So why am I trying to do this with you? (laughs) You I think that's a great takeaway is to have the discussions, even when they're not easy. Okay. For folks tuning in and listening, this is called the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, share this with a friend or family member that needs this information. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. Are technology issues slowing you down at your school? If that's the case, look no further than Five Star Technologies Virtual Help Desk. Their team of experts are available to support you remotely, resolving up to 40% of common issues like password resets, device connectivity, and lots more. With just a few clicks, you'll have access to their live chat from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Just enter your email to get started. Then you'll live chat with one of five stars at tech experts to diagnose your problem. And if their virtual help desk agent can't solve the issue completely, they will dispatch the ticket to your school's on-site tech team. Let Five Star Technology Solutions be your support partner. Experience their virtual help desk, which is affordable, efficient, 
and always there for you. Please contact them at fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. Once again, fivestartech.com forward slash contact us. And for your convenience, you'll find this link in the episode show notes. Now we're going to transition into working with adults and being a coach. Chanel is an amazing coach. She's been an instructional coach for a very long time. How did you get into this? You're not going to believe this. I have been a administrative assistant, STEM coordinator, teacher, a program specialist for math, science, instructional technology, implementation manager. I've never actually mm. been a coach. I've never actually had the title coach, but I learned that through all those jobs, I love instruction. I love curriculum. I love working with teachers, right? I love seeing the implementation of instructional strategies and and integrated technology and teaching to the demand of your standard, all that good stuff. It just makes me smile. But something can be missing from that is that can be being when you get so caught up in curriculum, Mm -hmm. being away from the teachers it's so easy to get in that space. And that again, goes with my core, whatever I do, I got to be connected to the teachers. I got to be connected to the true instructional strategies, the true implementation of instruction. What I would do in my specialist role, because we had title one coaches and it was not my job. People real quick to tell you, well, this is you do in education. Everything <laughs> is your job. <laughs> okay. In education, everything is your job. I made it my personal business and my personal growth to sit in there with those coaches and learn. I would Mm. watch them and I would learn about the six steps to effective feedback. I would learn about being low inference versus high inference, how to go into a classroom and observe. I learned that from them because it was never my job to do it, but I needed to know it. And I felt like anytime you could find an entryway for something like that, find it. I just took it and I ran with it with my own business or just any time I get an opportunity, but I've never actually been a coach. <laughs> yeah, but we know you are though. <laughs> Everybody knows you are. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know why you're a great instructional coach, a great teacher. You're likable, relatable, you're down to earth and you want to help people. You and I know right now in education, we are going through extremely hard times like you, I get to work with lots of instructional coaches that have that formal role. One of the things that they say to me all the time is, George, they're not feeling me right now. They just don't want the advice. You know what I'm talking about, right? What are three things that you would tell an instructional coach or someone who's responsible to support teachers in the classroom? What are three things that you would tell them that they need to do so they could be relatable, likable, and make an impact. People might not want to hear that. This might be the part where somebody hangs up because they don't like what I'm about to say, but check your attitude at the door. We get Hmm. so caught up in the title and the position. I'm the coach. You're the teacher. I'm coming in this space. And some people might not intentionally do that. Some people might not do it, but think about how the perception of that teacher, you're coming into their space to do what? to tell them what they're doing wrong, or you are here to actually help them. So make sure that you come into that space because they're inviting you into their private space, right? Their classroom. Yeah, you got the key, but they're inviting you in. When you come in there, 
sit down, come in, walk in, greet the teacher if they like that kind of thing. Greet them. Greet the students, too. We can get on that, too, about when you're coming into a space and you just come in, sit down, got your keys jangling, sit in the back, write some things down and leave. Make sure that you say hello, good morning. Write down low inference, not what you think. Oh, the class is out of control. That's high inference. How do you know that? What evidence? Be low inference. There are six kids standing up. They are rotating from one side of the room to the other. Write those things down. And then also, when you talk to the teacher, be careful about the way you're giving feedback. Don't make assumptions. Also, ask them questions. Invite them into the conversation. Let them tell you what they struggle in. Let them tell you what they think they did well. I think it's remembering that coaching is a partnership. Ooh. So, Coaching is a partnership. That's another gem. That is so good. If you're watching this, now you know why I've invited her on. She's already <laughs> said, coaching is a partnership and we live together and we die together. Yeah. <laughs> She's got great models, a really great mantra and a great way of looking at it. Can you tell us a success story where maybe you had a teacher that was scared, intimidated, not sure what to do, or they just did not want any advice? Can you tell us of how you turn that around? Imagine being the coach to the coaches. How about that? <laughs> I can imagine that. Because <laughs> sometimes the coach doesn't want the same things that they're saying about the teacher. Sometimes the coach doesn't want your advice. I'm going to do it this way. Okay. That's why they're not letting you in. Um, <laughs> I remember this coach was struggling. She had this particular attitude, very similar to what I described. I'm the coach. I'm coming in here and I'm going to tell you because I'm the expert in this subject and I'm going to tell you what you need to be doing. Similar to what I just shared with you, I told her from me just watching you coach in that classroom, watching you observe and watching you give her feedback, the way you're coming off at her is you're not trying to co-plan with her. You're telling her what to do as if you have authority over her. They don't have to let you in here. They don't have to listen to anything you say. Once you give your, you say your piece, you close that door, they can do whatever they want. So make it worth their while. Offer mm -hmm. to co-teach with them. Offer to co-plan with them. Offer your service. If you can't do anything else, offer your service because you're there to serve them. Changing that mindset, I think that particular coach, when she tried from that mindset, the doors were opening for her. People were coming to her, asking her questions. They knew she was smart. They knew she knew what was going on, but how she was perceived originally and versus how she changed that attitude, they were running for her, coming to get help. So that's what I mean by check the attitude at the door. Anyone listening out there that's a coach or they're thinking about it, if you're not co-teaching, if you're not helping in the co-planning, think about doing that. One of the things that has helped me a lot is to say, hey, can I model a lesson? No one is going to tell you no. No one is yeah. going to tell you no, especially if they want to learn. So that's great advice. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. If you're a STEM and PBL teacher like me, you're always on the lookout for new project ideas and resources. You know George does PBL, and I'm telling you, look no further than Smart Lab. Smart Lab really has a fresh take on STEM and PBL. I'm proud to be a partner, and they sponsor the podcast. But just don't take my word for it. Check out what other educators are saying about Smart Lab. When students enter into Smart Lab, they are allowed to think outside of traditional norms. It gives them a lot of agency. They 
feel empowered and important. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of the Smart Lab environment and the way the project process is set up. Smart Lab becomes this place where they can do those things and have the time and space to like communicate better and, and even like deal with social emotional stuff. Like they're having a bad day. A Smart Lab's a place where we can change the pace of what they're learning to match their mental needs for the day. And then, and that comes back tenfold later on when they want to be there and they want to learn and they want to do stuff and they feel safe and they feel like they can get the things they need. That's one of the big benefits of being in more of a collaborative environment is it, it makes, makes you have to work. It makes you have to be accountable. Please look in this episode's show notes for a link to connect with Smart Lab. I want to transition into personal wellness. If someone would have told me five years ago when you and I met that personal wellness would be a topic in education, I would have told them, get out of here. There is no way. You definitely look like the poster child for a person that is happy, is living in a positive way, vibe. Would you define for our audience what personal wellness is and what it means to you in your life? You unapologetically do what you need to do for you. That's your personal mm. wellness. And I had to learn that. And I, I had to learn that. So it means a lot to me now because years past, I was neglecting it or unintentionally neglecting it and attributes to Martin Johnson again. He has that kind of job where when it's time to go, it's time to go. In education, no matter what capacity you're in, and then with the fact that my brain is always spinning 3 a.m., ooh, I have an idea. Let me go get up and write it down. Let me make a slide deck about this so I don't forget. He has been the person to bring me back. If I'm up at midnight still working, he will literally come in there and say, it's not him asking, he's saying, turn it off. That's it, that's enough. It's to the point where my dog, he will come in, mom, I'm ready to go to bed and you not in there. Let's go. So I have those nuggets. I've have that foundation that helps me to keep me grounded and to help me remember, take care of yourself. And now I'm a lot better. When you see me leaving, if I say I'm going to London, I'm going to London. I'm not explaining why I'm taking the day off. It's literally, hey, I won't be here these days. There is no, I feel bad about taking these days off. The world will be fine. Because when you're not fine, and you're shut down, your job, all these other fun things are going to continue to go on, but your family, they're going to be the ones suffering when you're not there. It always goes back to my root, my foundation, my family, to the point where my kids even said to me, mom, you work too much. Do you ever have fun? That struck my core. I'm thinking we paying bills so you can have fun. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that. But it struck me to the core there that when they're noticing it, no, this is not what I want to model for you. I don't want you to think that you got to hustle and bustle all the time. It's a lot. It was a journey. I'm not perfect. I'm still going through it, but I acknowledge it and I have the support to let me know. Turn it off. Wow. Chanel. I'm starting to feel like personal wellness for every person, it's a private thing. It's a unique thing that not everyone has the same thing. So you mentioned travel, you've mentioned your dog and your family time. What are your three personal wellness go-tos? Definitely Netflix and chill. Mm. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> getting caught in a good binge watch again martin and i we can't always go out on dates but we have these shows that we're going to watch going back to the love languages both of our love languages is actually quality time so what that means is if we're going to watch abbott elementary if we're going to watch blackish if we're watching whatever it is that we're watching phones down computers off kids gone in the bed dog down this is our time this is our space we're watching this show now on Netflix called Beef. I was just about to ask you. So what are you watching right now? <laughs> Listen, you know how you just get caught into a train wreck and you can't get out? It's called Beef? Yes. Just try. All right. I'm watching Fatal Attraction. I don't know if you saw it, but they did a reboot of the old 80s movie with Glenn Close and... Oh my God, Michael I forgot Douglas, his name. Michael Douglas, Wall Street, right? Yeah, Wall Street. The remake is really? off the chain. It's on Paramount Plus. It's only okay. $5, though. It's only $5. I think you can watch it free mm. to start, or the new screen movie is free on there. If you have time to watch the screen movie, it is outstanding. And they connect wow. all of them. Oh my God, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a little gory for me. So I do look yeah. away, but the storytelling is extremely compelling. All right, so I have to ask you, how do you feel about the power universe? <sighs> me? Now my card right. is going to be taken away. I'm a sci-fi nerd, okay? I'm a sci-fi nerd, so. Show me your t-shirt. Not... Show them your t-shirt. Show me your t-shirt. This is actually not a Star Wars t-shirt, but I go my earrings. My earrings are DNA. Okay, okay, because you told me you're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt, and you told me that you don't like power so i just wanted to put you in the spot a little bit just you to see how you did? <laughs> my star wars shirt is going to be for the event later and i didn't want to be all sweaty so this shirt is just as important it's like you are enough it's one of those um, shirts yeah how about stranger things i like it here's you how like i it? feel i okay i started watching that from the jump because i'm a late 80s baby so a lot of that stuff i was in a stroller when it was happening. So I didn't really live through some of the stuff that they did. I was born in the eighties, but raised in the nineties. Okay. So I liked the show and I stayed with it. It was a couple slow seasons, but that last season. Whoa. Off the chain. <laughs> I said, oh, y'all had time during the pandemic, pandemic to give me something fantastic. <laughs> y'all had time. So many people started jumping on from that last season. So I was very surprised about that. And they kept playing that going up that hill song. Like my kids love that song. They think it's new. I said, no, this isn't new. This is older than me, please. But it, it caught some new fan base. I love it. All right. One final show. This is us. Have you watched that? <sighs> Have you not cried? Oh my God. I cried like a little punk on the last episode. Mm. when Rebecca was dying and William was the one on the train, I cried because I am a fan of the show and I remember how she treated him initially yeah, and how America fell in love with William. Yeah. Yeah. To see that story, I think it was a healing show. It was a oh. powerful show. It's not for everyone, obviously, but since we're talking about family now, mm. what did it do for you? It helped me because 10 years ago, literally two, the day after Shaylin's birthday, two months before the twins were born, I lost my dad unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. Man, grief is just, it's, it's a thing. It is a thing. 
But seeing this is us, seeing what they were going through individually, because that showed how do I live without Jack? He was this amazing man through everyone's eyes. He struggled. He had his issues, but he was a great man, a great father, great husband. And it just made me think I was right there with them. I remember when Kate no. said something, it was a statement she said, and I literally told my husband, turn it off, I can't do this anymore because I'm on the floor <laughs> crying. She says, I don't know how to be myself without you. I said, my dad, he's the person that put me in a science picture. He was the one, I want you to be a science teacher. My husband's like, no, she needs to be a math teacher. And I said, watch me do both. <laughs> man, that, that show... Man, it helped me get through grieving. It helped me to see that it's okay and that these people mm. struggling 10, 15 years and that grief takes as long as it takes. Yes, I definitely related more to Randall's story. I didn't like Randall at first. I didn't like how he went about things, but I ended up understanding him better and really yeah. relating to him in general. William's story was the one that I didn't relate to, but I loved the most. But Jack, in my opinion, it's amazing that the best father and husband is a character on a show because I have never met a Jack. <laughs> I have never. No, no. People was feeling insecure. Like I would look at my husband sometimes and I would joke with him. He said, I am not Jack. And I said, and I don't want you to be. I want you to be the best Martin you can be. You can take a little tip from Jack sometimes. <laughs> You know, my daughter, so my daughter is 20 and she had a saying every time he was on the show and she would put this on her social media, ladies, get you a Jack. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chanel, we digressed a little bit, but I think our self-care is watching shows. What would you tell a person that is struggling in their own self-care and they're trying different things? They are going online. They are trying to find new things. What is one thing that you would tell them that they should do other than the obvious of do the things that you like to do? Going back to that grieving process, and I'll connect it. I was so at the bottom. When I tell you I was so at the bottom, pregnant with these twins, teacher, I was so dead at the bottom that the only place I could look was up. I didn't think I was going to bring them into the world, but getting those answers, seeking those answers led me into journaling. I have a journal app that I keep on my phone called Day One. It's free. I've been writing in that journal on my phone for 10 years now. So if I want to cut somebody out right here, calm myself down, get that journal. Okay. Or being authentic. I am not feeling it today. I feel like a failure. I feel like I can't get anything right. I suck. Okay. Now, let me find a quote that's going to help me, inspire me. You know what? I was tripping a few minutes ago. This is why I'm upset, because I feel like I'm just not making my mark. I need to think of things to do. That's just you getting an idea of me journaling that. So the other thing that I like about that app is I can go back to everything that I wrote on May 4th, up from now to whenever, and I can see my growth. I can see I am growing. I am getting better. And sometimes seeing where you started and where you are now, you get a little bit of gratitude about your process and your journey. That's my most important one. And then talk to a therapist. I know some people still not there yet, but talk to a therapist. And I remember when I spoke to one and I told her everything I was doing, she basically said to me, you have the tools. 
you just needed the reassurance that you were doing okay. I said, you know what? That's exactly right. I just needed to know. I just needed to hear that I'm okay. I ain't spoke to her since. <laughs> but know, that's Chanel, not Yeah. Chanel, you were the perfect selection by the universe this season. <laughs> Thank you for all the beautiful gems. And for the audience out there, I began this conversation by telling Chanel three things that I love and respect about her. And just to recap those things, she is passionate about her family, working with teachers, being a coach, and also personal wellness. Chanel, to the folks out there listening and watching, what is one thing that you want to leave them with about you that we didn't say already? Just keep living. It ain't over till it's over. And that's just how I am. Um, every day is a gift. And I'm going to make use of it the best that I can. Thank you for that. Now's the part of the show where I give you your flowers. Okay. Flowers. Hey, Chanel, I've been knowing you five years. And you are an amazing human being, amazing person. You're doing a lot of positive things in the world. You're an amazing instructional coach, a teacher, a wife, a mom, a sister, a friend. I am so happy that I have you on my side. I cannot count how many times you have big me up. You have supported me. You have amplified me and you do it for so many other people. I hope that God returns his favor or he continues to return this favor on you and your family. Blessings upon blessings forever, not just in this world, but the hereafter. Thank you for being my friend. Likewise. Let's put this into the universe. Chanel, how can people, not just in Atlanta, not just in America, worldwide, bring you in for your keynote, for your coaching? How can they contact you? I'm on every platform, Twitter. I'm on DC underscore STEMtastic. I'll give you that because that's a lot of letters. Instagram, Chanel the Steminist. Facebook, I'm Chanel Johnson, you know? <laughs> All this is going to the show notes. All this is going to the show notes and her LinkedIn as well. That's it for today. For all the folks that have been listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. Chanel, thank you for blessing us today. I'm George Valenzuela, and this is the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined Podcast with George Valenzuela.